0: Now we know we talk about water scarcity all the time and uh, we're kind of very aware of how we need to save uh, water. But think about this, many m- hundreds of years ago, the in the Middle Ages in fact, the Countries were also trying to store water to overcome severe water drought and scarcity. So we're going to Great Zimbabwe, the largest city in southern Africa during the Middle Ages. Professor Innocent Pikirai is uh, from the University of Pretoria. He's the Department of Anthropology, Archaeology and Development Studies. And the good prof is looking at a study on how Great Zimbabwe, stored water in those days, and what can we learn from it as we look at it today? Prof Pikirai, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you, Michelle. A very good morning to you and your listeners.
0: So let's look at um, those specific large tanks that were built in Great Zimbabwe. And of course, for those of our listeners who may not recall what Great Zimbabwe is, perhaps you could just explain that as well.
1: Yes, Michelle, um, Great Zimbabwe is an ancient city in southern Africa, um, the Zimbabwe Plateau specifically. It was built from the 10th, 11th century um, and developed right up to the 17th, 18th centuries. It was a Karanga Kingdom, okay. part of the Karanga Kingdom.
0: And they were storing water as well, but not uh, as uh, we would do now. Tell us how they were doing it in those days. Yes, um, in, in, in terms
1: of Great Zimbabwe, um, what we, we were trying to do was um, to understand, you know, um, why did such a city, you know, exist during a time that was, um, you know, um, around, you know, what we call the Little Ice Age, post the Middle Ages, in the time when it was constrained with, um, you know, I mean, of, confronted with severe water shortages. So what what seems to have happened was that in the process of building the settlement, they were digging these huge trepids, you know, around the hill complexes and around the plains and, you know, sourcing or scouring the, you know, the clay to, you know, build the houses within the enclosures. But in the process, as you look at the environment around Great Zimbabwe, what you see is that um, the, the, the territory is surrounded by springs. So these um, pits were then used you know as reservoirs for water flowing from those springs but sometimes the springs would also run out so if if you look at the context in which you know you find granite um you know in between the rocks and the normal soil if you dig down you'll be able to find most of the water looked down you know underground so the 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 they dug into this piece the more water they could actually recover so instead of seeing the map they actually converted these clay pits into reservoirs and that was able to sustain the settlement
0: so prof what's interesting about the research that you're doing as well is that you're doing it along with um other universities uh, the great zimbabwe university university of cambridge in the uk the Aarhus university in denmark And I suppose, in many ways, whilst this may be a a conversation around history, it's also a conversation around how we think about water today and how we store water today.
1: Indeed, indeed, Michelle. Because look, we, you know, as we are doing archaeology, we are not just looking at the past. We are also trying to use, you know, um, some of the techniques that people used in the past to try and maybe reshape the present. Currently, there is growing water security. Um, the, the challenges around water security I mean, are, are, are huge. We do have intensifying droughts, intensifying floods. We are experiencing catastrophic, catastrophic flooding. I mean, you, you name what happened in KZN, in the Eastern Cape, in the last few months. This is quite telling. Mm. The, then we also have drying up of groundwater. You know, leading up to cities and, and farms with severe water shortages, and and you know, and this is quite worrying that at least one in four cities in the world are, are you know, um, are water insecure, and and beyond yeah. Africa, we are also beginning to see or to experiencing melting glaciers and 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 rising sea levels. So these challenges did not just come up in the present. We do have. You know, a semblance of these this challenges some 1,000 or so years ago with the sort of the medieval warming period where there was, you know, um, a lot of rainfall, and then subsequently after that, the little ice age, we start seeing the world drying up, cooling off, mm. um, and expanding. Experiencing water-related disasters, water, you know, born diseases, conflicts, etc., etc. So there are something that we, there's something that we may learn from these experiences so that we can actually employ today to try and solve our own context.
0: So, you know, I'm thinking about the fact that they are clay water tanks. Is there something to be said about um, storing water in clay? I mean, I remember um, in the ancient times you used to have those big clay water bowls and they would store it and and you would drink the water from those big clay water bowls because it kept it cool. Is there something to be said about doing that nowadays as opposed to just plastic water tanks?
1: Well, you know, clay is a better storage when compared to plastic. Um, in, In the African Iron Age context, the the, the 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 basic material culture that people used in domestic context was the clay pot. And yeah. once what gets into such context is is very well preserved. Yeah. It's, it's, it cools it off. Um, and and you know it, it retains all the qualities that came came with it. So um clay is is, is very important in that regard. But, but for, for Great Zimbabwe, the clay that we are talking about is really the clay that you find below the granite that we see on the surface. That means the granite on the subsurface. When it, it disintegrates, it generates or it that that clay and that results in um, the creation of aquifers that you see and storing water to the levels that you can naturally Um, harvest and sustain an environment that is dry and arid, like what you see in sub-Saharan Africa.
0: Professor Innocent Pikirai, thank you so much for joining us, University of Pretoria, Department of Anthropology, Archaeology and Development Studies, and certainly an interesting one to start thinking about how we store water, where we store water, and uh, using history, ancient history, to understand what that process is as well.